So, how you doing? Is it freezing in here? You know what? It's, it's all relative, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I'm sure in the North Pole, they're going, this is balmy. But yeah, this is chilly. This is chilly. People wearing hats in here. I actually almost kept my hat on today, but I was like, it's got the brim, so I'd be like this, and then I'd have that whole half cut off. So I'm going to suck it up and deal with it. Um, how many of you like caramel apples? It just, this just came to me, just curiosity. How many of you like caramel apples? You know what I'm talking about? Like when you get the really good thick caramel on them, and you get that big stick in it, and you hand it to somebody, and they just take a big bite, and it's, just, it's, it's one of the greatest moments in life, right? Have you ever seen this, the, um, the joke that you play on people that you take an onion and you cover it in caramel, put a big stick on it, hand it to them, let them take a bite of that? No fun, isn't it? Right? What's the problem with the, with, with the caramel onion? It looks an awful lot like a caramel apple, doesn't it? Am I right? So, so it's easy to play a trick. Well... We're going to talk a little bit about that, not about caramel apples anymore, um, but how it's interesting that, that the parable that Jesus, that, that, that Jesus talks about next, there's an interesting little component in there about how there's an identity, and, and something that we're going to kind of unpackage a little bit today. So if you would, turn with me in your Bibles. We're still in Matthew, uh, we're still in Matthew chapter 13, so if you'd get your Bibles out and turn there, that would be great. Um, Before I jump into that, let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we spend the next few minutes um, in the Word, we, th- we thank you for the Word. We thank you that the Word was made flesh and, 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 and had His dwelling among the people. I thank you so much that, that you've given us the Holy Spirit now to comfort and counsel and guide Father, the whole counsel of the word is, is, is your word. It is, it is the d- divinely inspired word. As, as Matt and I were talking, this isn't the book of Matthew because Matthew wrote it. It's the book of Matthew because he was inspired by the Holy Spirit to pen the words of God. May we take this counsel to heart. May we be encouraged by, by it. May we be challenged by it to better reflect what it is that, that God has called us to do and be as disciple makers, as the body of, of Jesus Christ, as servants, and as children. Just some, some beautiful metaphors of what it is that you've called us to be today. May we glorify you in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's read this first part. Matthew chapter 13, starting at verse 24. He put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed seeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came to him and said, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? 
He said to them, an enemy has done this. So the servant said to him, well, then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, no, lest in gathering the weeds you root up the wheat along with them. Let them both grow together until the harvest. And at the harvest time, I will tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned. But gather the wheat into my barn. So an interesting little, little component there that, that would have been a common discussion. So, so you have this parable, right? So the group that's gathered there would have heard this parable and, and probably, again, would have been very literal. This is an interesting story. I don't know why um, he's, he's teaching it, but he's teaching it. Um, but the weeds that he would have been talking about is a weed that's called a darnel or a darnel depending on how you want to pronounce it. And it's actually a weedy ryegrass that in its early stages looks just like a wheat stalk coming up. Did you all know that? I didn't know that either. So it's very interesting that early on in this process, until the wheat gets the full wheat head, can you tell the difference? Because then the Darnell um, grass grows and its, and its head stalk has black seeds which are also poisonous. Very interesting, isn't it? So early on, it's kind of hard to tell them apart. So when he was saying this, he's saying basically, you know, yeah, if you go right now and start, start pulling all these weeds, you're going to start pulling the hay with it, you're gonna, or, or, or the wheat. You're going to start pulling that with it. You're going to damage the roots of the wheat, which means it's going to, to die prematurely before the head has actually been able to come to full fruit. So it's a really bad thing to go out there and try to do that right now. You, you, may, you may be pulling the wrong thing, or you may be actually damaging the wheat that is there. Let it grow up together. Very interesting concept. That's why I was kind of paralleling it to the um, caramel apples. Do you notice that in society today, how distinct does the church look from the world. A little bit of a head scratcher, isn't it? Do we find ourselves as a church getting to the point in place where it's very hard to tell the church from the weeds? The wheat from the weeds, the wheat from the weeds. Is it very hard to tell in society today the difference? So the question that I ask that just kind of in this, in this posing of this is that shouldn't we as the church be becoming very distinct in our growth that people can tell a difference from the church than from the world? Interesting little sidebar to that, to that parable that I, that I think would have been missed by the average person there and probably was missed by the disciples, but I thought that was something very important to, to bring out. And he goes on to talk about that, but he says, you know, hey, let it grow up. And then when it comes to full fruit, it's going to be very clear that these are the weeds because you're going to, it's distinct. These are the weeds. Gather that up first. Get rid of it, right? Just get rid of it. It's gonzo. He goes on to says that the king that we're talking about in verse 24, then he says, put another parable, the kingdom of heaven. What's our connection to being the kingdom of heaven? Good throw. 
What is, what, what, when we're making a connection back, who is Jesus? Jesus is once again announcing his arrival on the scene as the king. And we're going we're gonna to come into that in a little bit, but I wanted to throw that out so that, so that our thinking is wrapped around that there's, there's a theme going on and, and the kingdom of heaven. So he's talking first about the weeds. And then he moves off of that, and he immediately goes into a next little component here. Look at verse 31. He put another parable before him. Can you imagine, like, like getting hammered by Jesus with this? That, that, that the crowds gathered are getting all of these stories, and, and where is he going with this? These are great stories, but where is he going with this? And he goes on to say, the kingdom of heaven. One of the questions I would have been asking is, how does this guy know so much about the kingdom of heaven? How does he know so much? The kingdom of heaven is like the grain of a mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it is grown, it is larger than all of the garden plants and become a tree so that the birds of the air come and make their nests in the branches. There's a contrast here going on. Because again, he's talking about seeds. But instead of the wheat seed and the seed getting planted there, he talks about the mustard seed. And most of the people in that area would have completely understood this because they would have gone, yeah, those mustard seeds are really small. Matter of fact, of all of the seeds that, that most farmers would have sown, the mustard seed was the smallest of all of those seeds. But the irony was is that, is that the seed in and of itself, which they would have used for, for making things for spices with mustard as we know mustard today. But in general, it was another plant. But the irony was for this one was is that this plant, you compare a wheat seed, which is a pretty decent sized seed, it grows up just a small stock. But this little mustard seed gives growth to one of the largest plants, if not the largest plant, that would have been done for planting purposes as, as, a, as an agriculture. It's not like you planted a, an oak tree, okay? So, so there was an intentionality that this is being planted because we need, we need the produce from it. So what happened is, is that this plant would grow, and in your garden, it would be very clear where the mustard trees were because they were trees, and they grow to be easily between 8 and 12 feet tall. So this little tiny seed becomes the largest of all of the plants in the gardener's garden. So, so where is he going with this? What, what's his thought process in this? And I think this is one that was going to be kind of an interesting little moment of, of thinking, especially for those that were kind of opposed to what Jesus was doing and saying, the Pharisees. I've come on the scene. I've already made it clear that I've come on the scene. There's a large group of people following me. It's not a huge group, but it's a large group. And he goes on to say, to again, these people that were itching to hear from a teacher. And again, wide range of people. P 
people who were the lost and the bedraggled and, and, and hurting, all the way to the, the, the skeptics, the Pharisees, the scribes that were continually following him because he was making waves. But he goes on to say something very powerful. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. I'm telling you right now, it's going to start small. And it is small. I've got 12 disciples. We're just a small band. But it is going to become the largest of all of the plants in the garden. It's pretty, it's pretty wild, isn't it? It's pretty wild. And that, and that shakes people up to think, wow, here's a guy coming on the scene. He's just a teacher. We, we've grown up around him. This was, this was the carpenter's son, right? Here he is going and spouting all of these things. And he's doing it in the form of a parable. But he's basically saying, watch what's going to happen. The kingdom of heaven, of which he's talking about, starting out as a mustard seed, very small, and is going to grow and become the largest. Hmm. He goes on, he doesn't even give him a chance to talk about it, and he says this next thing. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was leavened. Another very interesting component for the Pharisees and and the Sadducees and the the people who were really kind of counterposed to this young rabbi spouting all these things off. Leavening is something that is within inside the bread. It's not something that's on the outside of the bread. That the kingdom of heaven, that the change happens where? On the inside. It's a heart change. And I think that this was a very important consideration that as we, as we look at this, the leavening process which normally had been kind of a negative thing because it was kind of like coming in and causing bad things, and those were some of the metaphors that leavening was used. But Jesus uses it in a very positive way because he goes on to say, till it was all leavened, and visually, what does the leavening do to bread? It's what creates the fluffiness, the largeness. Like It expands it, right? How does that take place on the inside? Because the leavening is added in to what's already there, the dough. So this leavening process was, was, was Jesus' way of saying the kingdom of heaven is such like this that he's going to take what's there. And this leavening is coming in and the heart transformation, the transformation is from within and you see the effects of it. That's pretty heavy duty stuff. That is pretty heavy-duty stuff. And, and all of it to become this. All of these things Jesus said to the crowd in parables. Indeed, he said nothing to them without a parable. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter what has been hidden since the foundation of the world. So once again, he's fulfilling prophecy in saying, I am doing nothing but speaking so that those who are hearing but never able to hear and understand, those that are seeing but are never able to see because I am here right now and you have missed it. That was powerful. It was very hard to take, very hard to understand. But but Jesus wasn't about the easy, simple stuff. So as this all takes place, 
disciples are starting to scratch their head. And so they immediately go, what's going on? And we're going to find out what's going on here in just a minute. But I'm going to ask the kids, where are my teachers today? Who, who is it? Jules and... All right. Come on up. Our kids, come on up. They're already ready to go. And then um, our singer today is Claire. All righty. So kids, come on up. Today, our story, Chrissy and I will be doing, and Chrissy's going to start us out. All right, so today is Valentine's Day, and on Valentine's Day, people show their love to each other by gifts, sweet treats, and just motions of kindness, right? And so I have a very special question for you. There is someone very special who shows his love every day. Can you guess who that is? God, that's right. So God tells us he loves us in the Bible. The Bible is God's love letter to us. Isn't that so exciting? That just fills my heart up with so much warmth, knowing that God has shown, is showing his love to us through the Bible. So today, Miss Julie's going to share a story about how Jesus shows his love to his people. Okay. And I'm going to start us off with a little prayer before we get into the, the amazing story. Dear Lord, we thank you for this beautiful day. We are so thankful for your amazing love. Lord, we pray for our hearts and our minds to be open to your word and so that we can soak up your beautiful love. We pray to be more like you with love that is so pure and true. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen. Okay, today our story comes from the Bible, God's Holy Word. It comes from the New Testament in the book of Luke. There was a teacher of the law, and he asked Jesus, You said we are to love our neighbors as ourselves. And he said, Who is our neighbor? And Jesus answered him with a story. A man was traveling to Jericho, and robbers beat him up, and took everything he had. So, a priest came along, but he passed the man on the other side of the road. And the priest is someone who helped people worship God in the temple. A temple worker also passed by without stopping to help. And the temple was the church, the place where the people went to worship God. So, but then a man from Samaria saw that the man was hurt. And the man from Samaria and the man that was hurt, they were enemies. They weren't friends. So do you think the Samaritan stopped to help the hurt man? Do y'all think? You don't think he did? Well, he did. He stopped and he helped the hurt man. Then Jesus said, which one was a good neighbor? So out of all three of those men that stopped by the hurt man, or all three of the men that went by the hurt man, who was the good neighbor? The last one, the Samaritan. 
So Jesus said, or the teacher answered, the one who treated him kindly. Then Jesus said, go and do the same thing. The Samaritan showed God's kind love. Jesus showed God's love when he died on the cross to take away people's sins. Jesus shows us how to love. So that's the end of our story. And this is a picture of the Samaritan stopping to help the hurt man. And then, so now, I'm going to take this. Now we have some questions, and I'm going to let all of you answer together instead of calling on somebody. So the first question from our story, who shows his people how to love? Jesus. Jesus. Who showed God's love to the robbed man? The Samaritan man. (laughs) (laughs) Who is love? God. (laughs) What book tells us about God's love for us? The Bible. Good job. All right. So we have a memory verse that we're going to kind of sing. So Miss Chrissy and I will sing it the first time and then y'all sing with us the second time, okay? All right. We love God, but we love because we love because he first loved us. He first loved us. John 4:19. First John 4:19. First John 4:19. John 419. All right. Hopefully with y'all singing, it'll be It will be so much better. (laughs) All right. One, two, three. We love because, we love because he first loved us. He first loved us. First John 419. First John 419. First John 419. First John 419. Good job, guys. So much better. Y'all are beautiful. Yeah. All right. Thank you. And Miss Maya's song. Yeah.
That is really such a powerful uh, song. Well, well, we could go, oh, that's, that's just such a sweet song and great song for the kids to learn. There's some serious, serious strength in the words that are there. And it exactly is going right along with what, what this passage is discussing. So as we get back into Scripture here, verse 36, Then he left the crowds and went into a house. And the disciples came to him saying, explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. Once again, I think this is just such, a, such an important spot to stop on. When we were discussing it last week, it, w- it was clear that, that, that Jesus was intentional of saying, the eyes of the people are blinded, their ears have been closed, but to you... I'm revealing the secrets of the kingdom. And he he does this once again, and he says this. He answered, the one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed is the sons of the kingdom. And the weeds are the sons of the evil one. And the enemy who sowed them is the devil. Isn't that interesting right there? He just calls it straight out. And I, I found um, a passage that, that I thought was kind of interesting, and I just wanted to throw this out. First Peter 5.8 talks about the, the devil being what? A roaring lion seeking whom he can devour. Do y'all understand that the devil is, is at work and is very active? He is at work and very active in this world today. And I think that that's one of the things that I think the church is missing. We want to find ourselves in a position where we go, let's just talk about some good stuff. Let's just talk about stuff that makes me feel good about where we are and what we're doing. And we don't talk about the seriousness of why it is that we are in the world today. Jesus goes on at some point later on when he asks the disciples, who am I? And he says... And Peter says, you are the Christ, you are the Messiah. And Jesus' comment later on, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The devil is at work in doing what it is that the devil feels he can do to hold his power. And he will do everything within his means to continue to devour. That is his job. And we don't want to talk about those kind of things. We want to talk about what makes us feel good, and that's, that's, that's inconvenient truth. The, the truth is this. We have a job to do. So as Jesus pulls this back around, he said, the devil is at work. The devil did this. This is what they're up, up, up and doing. And the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the close of the age, and the reapers are the angel. Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so it will be at the close of the age. And the Son of Man will send his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all the causes of sin and all the lawbreakers, and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. He who has ears, let them hear. If you would, please turn with me to the book of Daniel. It's after Psalms, Ezekiel, Daniel. 
Daniel chapter 7. So in this understanding, I, I, I want to go back that the theme of this is the kingdom of heaven. And who is the king of kings and the Lord of lords? Jesus is literally saying, I am here, I am on the scene. The kingdom of heaven is because I am doing what it is that I have been called to do. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. The kingdom of heaven is like all of these things are pointing to the fact that this is what's taking place and this is what is be, 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 being happening, be, it's becoming. I wanted to say be becoming because it's actively present in its, in its tense and moving forward with intentionality. But if you go back to Daniel chapter 7, he says that, that well, let me, let me go forward because it says right here, he says, and the good seed is sown by who? The son of man. That's very important. Check with me here in Daniel. Daniel chapter 9. As I looked, thrones were placed and the ancient of days took his seat. The ancient of days is God Almighty, Yahweh. His clothing was white as snow and the hair of his head was like pure wool. His throne was fiery flames. Its wheels were burning fire. A stream of fire issued and came out from before him. And thousands and thousands served him, and ten thousands times ten thousands stood before him. And the court sat in judgment, and the books were opened. And then I looked because of the sound of the great words that the horn was speaking. And as I looked, the beast was killed, and its body was destroyed, and given over to be burned with fire. As for the rest of the beasts, their dominion was taken away, but their lives were prolonged for a season of time. For a season of time. And then I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. And he came to the Ancient of Days and was, and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away. And the kingdom, and his kingdom, one that shall not be destroyed. So when he goes on to explain the parable, go back with me to Matthew. The one who sows the good seed is the son of man. And that was Jesus' reference to himself. So once again, he's stating the fact, I am the king of of the kingdom of heaven. The field is the world. Very interesting component. This is not necessarily talking about the church and what's inside the church. This is in the world. This is in the world. And the good seed is the sons of the kingdom. Very interesting point here. Because we want to think that in this case... We, we talk about the seed being the word and it being sowed as the word. He's saying that this is the, the, the seed in this parable is referenced to whom? The sons of the king. The sons of the kingdom. Okay? These are the ones that are being sent into the world. Now, what is it that they're doing? They're taking the good news, right? 
But I think we've got to be clear on this, that this, that this is being inserted into the world. There, there's, there's something that's happening with, with people doing what it is that they've been called to go do. And the king is planting the seeds in the world. And the seeds are the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one. The enemy who has sowed them is the devil. So here you have the scene set up. And the disciples are starting to understand this and get this because he's explaining this parable. That there is a work that is going to be taking place. It is already taking place because the, the, the disciples were being sent, weren't they? So as, as we fast forward in our understanding of the development of the New Testament church, when Jesus Christ was crucified, dead, buried, and rose again, and ascended to his position, what immediately happened after that? The work of the church, right? It's not like when Jesus ascended into heaven that we, we all just got to go, oh, okay, now we're all done. No, we were sent on mission. And, and so it was very interesting that he says to the disciples, you will go. To Jerusalem, to Judea, to Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. We're going to make disciples. Disciples who are making disciples. So there's the seed, the son, the sons of the kingdom being sent into the world. This is, this is a worldly perspective. And then it says this at verse 39. The harvest is the close of the age. The harvest is the close of the age. Anybody have a, have a thought or an idea? What do you think that means when it says the harvest is, is the close of the age? Come on. We have a small group today, so we, we, can, we can do this as a little bit more of a teaching time. Jesus' return because, because yes. Okay. So, so th- th- this, is, this is a point in the future, right, where, 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 where this has happened. But, but it's, a, it's a metaphor because there is a harvest, which means it is final. This is the harvest. We are gathering the harvest. It's at the very end, and the harvest is going to be gathered. What is, what is the harvest? Well, the seed that was sent produced a harvest, which is the church, those that are saved, right? That was starting from back at the Great Commission, all the way up through today and tomorrow and the next day until when? Till it is time for the harvest. Has our, has our role as disciple makers come to a close? Have, have, we get, have we been given a retirement clause in our jobs as seeds being sent? No. So, moving on. The reapers are the angels. And I think this is where it's very interesting because this is that, this is that defining moment where what has been clearly 
wheat and the, the harvest, the fruit becoming fully, fully matured to be harvested among the weeds that are also fu- fully matured. They are harvested, but what, do they do? what happens to the weeds? Burned, gathered and burned in the fire. But remember, he goes back. You got to think back. He was talking specifically about a weed that, that initially, our wheat, unfortunately, we can start to look. But yet, as we harvest and grow, as we're moving along, it becomes very clear what is wheat and what is weed. What is wheat and what is weed. And the angels who are the reapers come and gather all of what? Gather out of his kingdom. Whose kingdom? The son of man. Who is the son of man? So I mean this this is revolutionary stuff that Jesus is saying to the disciples. I am the king of kings and the lord of lords. This is my kingdom and this is what's going to happen and you are part of this. That's a whole lot for a group of 12 to start to process. That this little mustard seed that you're talking about, this little this little thing, you you're you're saying that this is going to become the largest in, in, plant in all of the kingdom, in all of the world, your kingdom is going to be the greatest. Yes. And it's starting with you. And he will gather out of, of his kingdom all causes of sin and all law breakers. The wheat from the weeds, it will be a complete separating Does that make sense? And we'll throw them in the fiery furnace. And in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Serious stuff. Then the righteous will shine like the sun. And in the kingdom of their father, he who has ears, let them hear. Turn with me to Galatians chapter 6. I can just imagine the, the... I can imagine the disciples at this moment being told all of this. And I almost think at some point in time that they're just completely, into, I know I would be, completely and totally overwhelmed at, at simply going, what have we gotten ourselves into? Because remember, all of them have been looking for the Messiah to become king to fix their problems right here, right now. Does that make sense? That the disciples, like all of the good God-fearing Jews, and the disciples were the ones who were looked over from becoming rabbis. They were the misfits. They were the ones that couldn't stand the test. So as, as, as good little Jewish boys, you, di- you didn't pass the test, so we're not going to have you become a mentor of, of, the, of the Pharisees. 
So you just got to go out and find what you got to go do to survive. And Jesus called them. So there's this little misfit group of people who, like all God-fearing Jews, are looking for the king. The Old Testament said is coming. And here Jesus is quoting scripture in reference to him being the king. And I, I can imagine then these disciples going, wait a minute. You're here. You're supposed to be the king. Go set your throne up right now. Let me be one of those generals. Let's just, let's do this thing. It's not at all the way it was set up. Because the kingdom as the leavening was, was growing from within, from the heart. And it was this kingdom that would be growing until the harvest at the end of the age. Not right then, not right there. So, so I can imagine these disciples thinking to themselves, way, 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 time out. This is what you're supposed to do, Jesus. And he's going, no, this is what you're supposed to do. The son is sending the seed into the world for the harvest. And that is my kingdom. Go with me to, to Galatians chapter 6. This is, this is a word of encouragement. Disciples, you, disciples who are disciple makers in the church today, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself lest you too become tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each will have their own load to bear. Go to verse 6. One who is taught the word must do what? Share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to the flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. Listen to this, church. Let us not grow weary in doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, especially those who are the household of the faith. Church, do not be overwhelmed at what it is that God has called us to do. That little mustard seed group called the 12 called the disciples was this misfit little group that Jesus basically said starting here the kingdom is going to grow until there is a full harvest and I am sending seed and what is starting out right now is something very small just like this little mustard seed is going to produce a full harvest did you catch that? His harvest is going to be complete. 
And look at the joy in this. And the righteous, that's the result of the harvest. The result of the harvest is the righteous. And the righteous will shine like the sun. That's that beautiful joy in the journey of what it is that we've been called to do. We are justified, saved from the, from the penalty of sin. We are sanctified. We are being saved from the power of sin. And we will ultimately be glorified, be, being finally and fully saved from the presence of sin because sin will be taken out. It will be cast into the, into the lake of fire where there will be weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. It's all going to be separated. And the righteous, that harvest that has been gathered, the wheat that is just going to be pulled all together. And it says the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. There's a beautiful little picture that, we, that we, we could easily miss, and that is simply this. God loves us. He is our Father. He is a good Father. Don't forget that. That I, as King of kings and Lord of lords, sitting at the right hand of the Father, He is a good Father. And that harvest is going to shine like the son in the kingdom of the father. What a beautiful relationship to understand. This is not going to be something that is just going to be just completely disconnected. We are going to finally, fully in that harvest be right there in that perfect relationship with God Almighty, the ancient of days, with the king of kings and the Lord of lords, and God is our father. We are his children. That harvest is family. That harvest is love. He who has ears, let him hear. Disciples, you got your work cut out for you, and I'm sure their heads were spinning. This is not what we expected. Disciples, you've got your work cut out for you. You've got your work cut out for you. He who has ears, let him hear. Would you stand with me as we pray? Jesus, you are the king of kings. You have sent us into the world as seeds. We are taking the good news into the world. That's what you've called us to do. We don't get an out on that. We don't get it. We don't get a set second option. We don't get a second set of plans. Give us the courage and the strength to take the word, take the truth, take the light, and to grow your kingdom till that harvest is finally full and complete. Church, don't go weary in doing good. Do not faint. Do not give up. Thank you, God, for loving us. Thank you for sending your son. Give us the courage to go out in love grow the harvest.
It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.